Welcome, one and all, to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Maximum warp me. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 310, The Stars at Night, comes to you now via tricorder-confusing multiphasic charge. Wow, well said, Pete, and on the first take as well. Some news from the fleet, maybe the all-Cali fleet, I don't know. Uh, before we dive on into the episode, yesterday we were talking uh, Andor episode 8, uh, the best episode of the 8, replacing episode 7, which was the best, replacing <laughs> episode 6, which was, and, and on and on in a show that just really, literally continues to get better and better. Increasingly complex, so much to chew over what was it two hours and four minutes of podcast yesterday um exceeding the first three episode uh you know discussion that we had so lots of chew over so make sure you check it out uh and pete on this all hallows eve's eve uh or eve 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 anyhow uh the marvel movie podcast uh and the pop culture podcast feed both have our reviews of uh werewolf by night and, um, yeah, that just continues to have been a really fun adventure, uh, particularly as we look ahead to other Marvel movie adventures in the near future. Yes, with Black Panther Wakanda forever on the way. Uh, so whether you listen by night, by day, Werewolf is up there for you to enjoy and then to catch you up or to relive all of the uh, MCU prior to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Check out that Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek. Bringing things into Star Trek, Pete. I know I've I've enjoyed the episodes of Prodigy that I've seen. I can't admit that I'm a a Prodigy diehard. I know it has come back for the second half of its first season. The next ten episodes. Uh, what's your take here on Prodigy's return? Yay, Robert Beltran, Matt. But apparently he only wants to do so much Star Trek. Um, so I guess he's not joining the cast full time as beloved Captain Chakotay. He's back. That's all I can say is he's back. How much of him is back? Just enough to say that he's back. But hey, Robert Beltran's back as Chakotay. Well, Pete... As one Chakotay enters, another Star Trek uh, storyline starts to uh, to sunset. Of course, we're about to talk about the Season 3 finale of Lower Decks, and this time next week, we will be doing the season wrap uh, to talk about the season, which was. But now, let's get to our ready rundown. Program complete. Enter when ready. At Douglas Station, the Cerritos is getting repairs after the last episode and Freeman has been called to Starfleet Command for questioning. She's told that it has been a waste of resources, these recent missions, and that the Cerritos crew has a problem. Admiral Buenamigo says the Cerritos crew is important, but, but, the Texas class is needed for second contact missions. The admirals agree. The Cali class will be shuttered. Still in Starfleet Command, Freeman chews out Buenamigo, but she's going to fight for her crew. Don't tell anyone. Cut to Boimler saying he heard from Towel Guy via a telephone game that the Texas class ships are in and Callies are out. Boim's Tendi and Rutherford discuss, 
The Rutherford notes the Texas class design is cool. Boimler wonders what the bridge crew will think and makes impressions of them, the last of which is Shax, who walks in behind Boimler. Is this what you think of Shax? Is this what you think he sounds like, always wanting to eject the warp core? It's noted that Boims is running slowly crazy since Mariner has gone. Hopefully she's okay. Cut to Mariner, stealing an idol from the Ferengi, all Indiana Jones style. Don't tell Disney. She beams out just in time, and Petra is glad they got the idol, because it belongs in the museum which is where they are headed. Mariner loves getting archaeological items to proper homes, but who pays for all this? You know, fuel, gear, and ship. Petra says not to worry. Go get some raw mails. Back to Starfleet Command, Buen Amigo offers Freeman a promotion to fleet captain of the Texas class. Freeman balks and spontaneously offers a mission race between the Alito and the Cerritos. The Cerritos crew is told that they're doing a second contact race. They are experienced, whereas the Alito is not. Let's do it for the class. Billups gives a rah-rah speech, but Rutherford is looking over something. Ta'ana yells for the med crew to get ready, and Ransom tells command officers to sit the Riker way. But still, Shax is angry at Boimler. The race is ready to start and go. The Cerritos warps away, and the Alito sits put while the Cerritos is allowed a head start. Mission 1 is stalling stuff for the Gallardonians. The Alito arrives and beams down a prefab power module. This is going to be tight. Mission 2. No signs of life at LT-358. Outpost installation is started, but Tendi scans for microbes. She says there is a sign of sentient life in the soil. We must continue the scan. The Cerritos pauses, even as the Alito drops off outpost pieces and leaves. Now the Cerritos is behind, and they go to Achmenic 9, a Brigadoon planet which phases into our dimension only briefly. Cut to the planet, which indeed is very Brigadoon. The Alito arrives and transports supplies, but the Cerritos arrives as the planet is phasing away. The Alito has won. In the bar, the crew is down, with Tendi recapping that she slowed everyone down with her microbial scan. Freeman overhears, you're right, and she's happy. She calls Buen Amigo. The Alito skipped an important constraint of the Prime Directive. It's proof that the Texas class isn't ready for duty. Rutherford continues to look at the Alito code. The code is his, his AI. The angry ship-racing Rutherford coded this, and it was Buen Amigo who erased Rutherford's memories. It's the same code that was used for Badgy, and it has daddy issues. Rutherford tells Freeman, and Buen Amigo admits it was him. He's not letting them take his Texas class plans, not after his hard work, including the particulars of last week's episode. Gasp, he's yet another bad-faith admiral, and Buen Amigo says the Cerritos will be blamed as attacking the admiral. Buen Amigo brings the Alito to full independence, but the Alito does have daddy issues and fires a phaser shot directly into Buen Amigo's office. The station as a whole is under attack. The ship activates two more Texas-class ships and the station is being walloped. Freeman puts out a distress signal. Meanwhile, Mariner and Petra are on Quaylor 3. You go on, Petra. Mariner will stay here. She does some digging and is caught going to those private files. Dig away, says Petra. Wait, this is an Admiral Picard joint as they rescue archaeological sites? Maybe deep down, Mariner wanted to have an excuse to get back to Starfleet. Poof, says Petra. It's a bad day for the Cerritos. Look, Douglas Station is under attack. Mariner sets a course to help, and Petra reluctantly agrees. At the station, the Van Sitters warps in, making the fight more fair, but the three Texas-class ships tear her up. Freeman hails the Alito, letting it talk to Rutherford. It's the proto-father! The three Texas-class ships chase the Cerritos, and Freeman runs, taking the threat behind her. 
At warp 8, the Texas-class ships are gaining. Warp too much, and the struts may shear off. I told you this was not a great ship design. Now, however, there's a gap. Options, people. Shaq suggests dumping the warp core and others pitch ideas from Star Trek's of old. And Boimler says, shut up and listen to Shaq's. He said they should eject the warp core. That's what he always suggests, but it's brilliant. It can act as a mine. There's a risk to the ship, but there's also a risk of doing nothing. Shaq's make it so. Shaq's turbolifts down to engineering. Shaq's and Billups do the two-man turnkey for the ejection, and down it goes with a big explosion at the Texas-class ships. The Cerrito sits dead in space. But wait, the Alito has survived. It fires on the Cerritos, causing major damage. Freeman is ready to abandon ship, but Mariner and Petra arrive, too small to be a threat to the Alito AI. But she's brought help. It's the Oakland from Season 1, and another Cali-class ship. And more and more and more, maybe to an amusing degree. The whole fleet of Cali-class ships is here. An attack pattern Delta. The Alito can't concentrate on any particular ship, and it's taking a beating. But then it sees the Cerritos and fires towards it. Petra's ship takes out the last quantum torpedo, and the Alito is destroyed. Back at Douglas Station, wounds are healed, and the Cerritos gets a new warp core. In the ship's bar, Mariner and friends make amends. Rutherford is keeping the implant, and Talin is here as a provisional officer to join in science officer training. Hooray! Shax hugs Boimler, and welcome to the bear pack now, bridge buddy. Mariner and Freeman patch things up with a hug, and Mariner's ready to get on the right path, with Ransom being the one to train her. Three cheers for the Cali class to end the episode. Or does it? A post credit scene shows Badgie lives! Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with Admiral Buenamigo. Winding up as a season-long nemesis here, Matt. I mean, figures a character named Good Friend would wind up being a bad guy. Uh, yes, I, I, I do see uh, how you've named him there, Mike McMahon and company. Um, I think, too, for people who want to say the season, I know we're not judging the whole season this episode, that's next week's podcast, but... For people who feel like there was not a season theme to it, I think a a season-long rewatch through the lens of the whole season, through the lens of this finale, um, as you say, Pete, will yield him as a season-long baddie first kind of teased at the end of last season and all of that. Um, so I think I, I, I think the the story effects of Admiral Buenamigo will only continue to, uh, to look great over time. And the mustache twirling of... I set you up at Deep Space Nine, and I knew all about the brain on Brecca. Um, you know, certainly helped. It did, and then further continuing to bring things full circle here, the notion that the the Rutherford AI code uh, programmed by angry Rutherford uh, that also populated Badgie. Uh, so a short way of say, uh, saying that would be the Badgie code, um, that that too ends up being not just like a story threat, like, and I don't want to say, like, I was not feeling the feels Wolf 359 style, not, you know, Spock is dead, maybe he never comes back style, but, you know, Douglas Station gets really ripped up, and presumably in the Lower Decks animation style, presumably we are see po- uh, seeing people pay the ultimate price and all that, so um, quite a turn there with uh, the Badgie Code. The only thing that would have made it better if 
is there was a holographic badgy captain somehow on each of the ships there. I still don't think we're done with badgy. Uh, plus, he apparently really wants to burn our hearts in a fire. <laughs> um, we have, you know, Buen Amigo, who, of course, had the uh, the, the Texas accoutrements in his uh, ready room there. Um, the <laughs> so Texas class. The, top, the Alamo <laughs> and the, the two one-star flags. <laughs> um, but then you add to it the fact that the, uh, you know, it's revealed that there's TX-02 and TX-03, the Dallas and the Corpus Christi. It occurred to me on the second watch, Pete, um, uh, have it this way i don't think the episode is really indicting like the people or the politics of texas but uh if nothing else admiral buen amigo really really into being from texas its own galaxy really um i do think it was a good it was a great story edition like you know we see this fast little ship that can you know do all these attacking things and so forth to then say but wait there's three um very fairly added to the stakes and in fact pete i'm further thinking one of the biggest slams of uh the picard season one finale was the copy paste fleet mm -hmm. and wh what do we have in this episode mm -hmm. slightly different dramatic stakes but we have a copy paste fleet of three texas ships versus a copy paste fleet of uh of um california class ships uh, albeit pete they did the, the the thing that somehow picard season one could not do which is make the california class ship slightly different but regardless it's copy paste versus copy paste but it works it does and i think this episode obviously owes the finale of uh star trek picard season one to be able to do what they did here Let's use our long-range sensors to scan for some theories. Pete, this episode, obviously the season finale, also in many ways a kind of a major story arc finale. Where do we take theories here? Mariner's back. Talyn has joined the ship. No, Finally. Yeah, yeah finally. <laughs> um, hey, wait till that last scene. They <laughs> cram her in, but they, they were only half wrong. Still no Klingon uh crew we were told they were returning this season i don't know if that was a late change or not um but at least Talyn finally showed up is it possible that due to the extremely long lead time the animation needs you know that's your trade-off it takes a ton of time to get it done but it's less expensive than live action um is it possible that they were they the production were I'm sure they're like, every episode is our best effort for the type of episode we're trying to, trying to tell. And maybe they thought, even as early as in the writing room, that the Three Ships episode was going to be um, a very special one. But is it possible that, that the production did not know how golden it was and how well it would be received and how award-nominated it would be? And that maybe they weren't fully ready to do Three Ships Part 2 this season because by the time it hit, they already had you know, X percent of the season already completely animated and all the rest sketched out and scripts locked in place and all that. Completely fair. Uh, on top of, hey, we had the Klingon uh, lower decker who ascended to captain uh, make an appearance. And you know what? We decided to keep it just Starfleet instead. 
that certainly could be um it'll be interesting to get a sense you know like i'm not aware of them doing a ton of kind of uh deleted scenes in part because again animation is this perpetual thing if it's if your rough cut of the sketch of the episode isn't working when you have all the voices but it's all just you know pencil sketches if something's not working you, you cut it out there you don't film it and cut it you know at, right at the very end but certainly that would be time to tell pete where where do things go from here i mean mariner's back how about this let's let's stick with the mariner petra pair for a second can petra stick around in in the next season or has she served her arc uh you know by the conclusion of this episode i mean certainly for her introduction and then to get uh mariner back to starfleet there's a roundness to her arc she could pop in and and out um you know plus disclosing about picard's uh you know relationship with the archaeologist guild as a benefactor um that could certainly be used again but i i think she's kind of capped out you know with what we know about her for right now did this episode choose the best path assuming they had a choice but by not having picard show up either visually or voice um was that was that the right choice in your mind yes Yes, you you still have him on the other show. Um, I don't think there's. I mean, listen. Anytime you want uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, you know, is is going to be fine. But it's not as if we have an absence of him right now. No strange energies that suddenly <laughs> suck Mariner and Boimler to another time, another place, and into strange new worlds. I honestly, I would have, I if I would have put money down, uh, maybe not a lot, but I would have put money down that that happened. And frankly, that was part of the reason why I watched all the way to the end to see there is a post credit scene. Oh, it's just you know, flicker, flicker, return of Badgie. Um, any thoughts there on uh, what what does showrunner Pete think with the idea? Hey, let's give them a little taste of the live action lower decks coming to Strange New Worlds summer ish 2023 it was always um strange new worlds thing so i think it felt presumptuous that the animation was gonna steal their thunder um so let it be the strange new worlds thing if they want to take it and turn it into you know the reciprocal relationship that then Strange New Worlds goes to Lower Decks, they could, but I, I think that stuff, you know, happens first in the live action. So Cali class now firmly established as, you know, an important second contact, um, you know, functionary, uh, the strength of the class here shown really, really nice to think that this show that only has 30 episodes, which is not that many more than, you know, a season of Next Generation, um, but that we have this expansive, expansive tertiary uh, bit of characters in terms of, you know, all of these familiar captains who come back and their crews and, and all that. 
Um, not that we know them very well, but enough to be like, you know, I forgot about them and them and them. And then there's the mirror bunch that not quite mirror, but, you know, that looks the lookalikes and so forth. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Freeman where, with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> where do we go? Like, you know, n- no stakes for the class. No stakes, presumably for Freeman. No stakes for will mariner ever return i'm certainly not complaining if anything the show is embracing the you know the concept of the show is the concept of the show and voyager will not get home until the end of the seventh season and there'll always be d space nine people on d space nine and so forth um where do we where do we naturally go from here to have it feel like a soft reboot that they could go in any direction, I think is really fitting. You know, they've, they've done this three episode, I'm sorry, three season situation where, you know, all right, we've cleared the, the name of the California class and they are valuable instead of just being the ones that, you know, uh, pick up the scut work, um, so I think the beginning of the fourth season really represents new opportunities. Well, speaking of that fourth season, don't look now, Pete, but since the 2015 announcement that Star Trek Discovery would be a thing since then, what's the second longest running Star Trek show, at least in terms of not even at least in terms of number of seasons, what's the second longest running show as per what has been renewed? lower decks there you go the little ship that could it's it's kind of incredible to look at i would also posit pete you know i think there's plenty of indications that discovery will continue past season five but because of the nature of animation you know is anybody on lower decks gonna say i'm getting a little tired of the makeup maybe it's time to wrap this up nope because it's all voice and drawing is anybody gonna say i'm at a different point now with my family with my spouse with my kids with living in toronto nope it's all kind of status quo so you might see lower decks uh and again i'm not wishing the end of any of these shows obviously picard is going to max out at 30 episodes uh and so forth but you might see lower decks being the longest running uh star trek show of the kurtzman era you certainly could i mean you asked before about potential trajectory let's not forget you know badgy the AIs in the um, uh, what's the facility on Okinawa, the Daystrom Institute. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Agamus and uh, peanut hamper uh, still hanging out there. You know, that'd be a really great place. If not to start the fourth season, maybe even do a lower decks episode without the lower decks. Uh, if I could pitch that. And then, you know, you bring them in at the end. You think about how fun the peanut hamper episode was and they don't even appear in it until halfway through, Um, you know, really presenting some new opportunities. It does, particularly as we as we can best understand this season now where some story elements of it started in a prior season, specifically the Rutherford has a secret past kind of thing. Um, It's all the more it's all the more opportunity to say this show knows it's not running, you know, renewal to renewal season to season. Uh, I mean, my goodness, you know, I mean, seasons, as I recall, season three, let's see, season three was announced a year out and season four came like 
what this past January or something? Yeah, whatever it was, it was it was with over a year. Didn't they announce seasons three and four simultaneously? That, that's what I was gonna say, and then I was like, wait, no, I don't, I don't trust that. But now here we are. Yeah, because I think there was like, yeah, you know, we had podcasted. It was like the best Star Trek day ever. That was yes. last winter. Um, yeah, seasons three and four. I, I, again, just the point being, there's so much lead time here that clearly there's a confidence in this show. Um, and I don't mean to overly step on, you know, our, our season wrap next week, but you're right. We had an episode this season in which the entire <laughs> lower decks of the ship, the entire upper decks of the ship, the entire ship period were, you know, minor, but important supporting characters in the peanut hamper, uh, planetary adventure and so forth let it continue to swing big even if that peanut hamper episode was weird or even if i'll be honest pete did i love this finale as much as last season's finale no i mean we got you know got a good punch in the gut and dramatic stakes and so forth and the second season um i also i would i would call into question the choice to have um a non lower decks character by lower decks i mean the show not the how about, here's what i'm trying to say i call into question having a non-cerritos person lead the lower decks uh pardon me cali class hip hip hooray to end it kind of felt just a little like i need one more thing like and that's why you know says captain freeman cali class will always be home Da-na-na-na! as opposed to just kind of like a little bit of a fade out here but you know that's okay that's okay it's not a major complaint um it, it was a choice i liked captain ramsey making the toast there and then them chanting you know for the cali class and and then you know we leave out the secret scene i mean the a major threat a hilarious one at that um you know who knows whether or not jack brayer was available um and I, I think they've got bigger plans there. So, uh, again, I, I feel a, a sense of completeness with these three seasons, with this season in particular, and that they have plenty of places to jump back in when they start up for season four, presumably, Matt, August of 2023. Well said there, Pete. And what other theories do you have for this episode? Well, they had ejected the warp core. Uh, Shaxx finally got to do it and get a new one uh, brought in at the end of the episode. And another thing to try out to uh, potentially tell the story of. Uh, I do like that, particularly since this show can echo, mimic, refer to uh other star trek in a way that you know if other shows do it you go oh you're just doing a ripoff like the potential of like let's try out this new warp core oh wait it's brought us to a wormhole we are all blurry and slowed down wait didn't this happen to the enterprise back in 20 you know 2271 or whatever yes it did oh no like there's there's the ability to do star trek the motion picture as your season four opener uh, which could be fun. Referring to the films, Matt, the undiscovered country, Star Trek Six, getting a shout out here. Evidently, you know, three quarters of a century later, they still have this briefing room with those funny little lights 
that uh, James Kirk once attended a briefing at. Well, I think that's one of the that's one of the beauties of animation allowing anything. You have to start somewhere. So this kind of show, you say, uh, let's just do the briefing room from Star Trek Six. Uh, and does that fit the story? Is that just homage or does it fit the story? Um, sure, Starfleet Command still has the same briefing room. Like, I'm sure there's got to be military bases that have been around for a long time. They've been modernized, but, you know, the conference room is the conference room. So, like, it fits as homage. It fits the story. It doesn't even need to be a joke. It's just, hey, that looks awful familiar. Oh, I see where you got that from. Trees all over the corridors of both uh, Starfleet Academy and the Starbase. An interesting choice. You know what, Pete? These are these are space folks, and fine if you're at Starfleet Command, you're you're on terra firma and all that. But uh, probably they get used to the artifice of uh, trees in space, and uh, they just carry that they carry that preference over once they leave space travel behind and get the desk job at Starfleet HQ, aka the Anaheim Convention Center. Not only has Towel Guy been given a name, but also spreads gossip apparently. You know, I, I again, I marvel that after 30 episodes um, of, let's not forget, half hours, half hour stories here, that we have so many supporting characters, even if it is just, you know, and we had heard about it earlier this season from a listener who's like, I keep noticing the handsome towel guy. Oh, yeah, I guess he has been in three or four. You look it up on Memory Alpha. Oh, no, he's been in one third of all the, the episodes. Okay, most of the time just as a background person, um, probably... Probably the show is doing a copy paste in terms of let's populate the background with a guy who already has a talk in the background animation cycle. That was easy. But again, you you can reach for him and say, let's give him something about his character. He's a gossip and he's always right. And it just adds to the richness. Dr. Ta'ana here, yet another jumping off point potentially for next season is to learn more about her past. If I have one uh regret wish of this season we get a little bit more with her but using the riding crop in sick bay and then her discussion of having grinded it out on an oberth class uh starship uh ready to hear to learn more about where she came from yeah let's get the you know let's get the doctor to on a flashback adventure i would agree you know she How'd was she lose she was, that tale yeah all of it all of it is there for the picking um and indeed maybe since they did get the season three and season four pickups at least announced at the same time who knows if that fits reality um but maybe like maybe they're saying hey this maybe they're halfway through writing the season and they say this is short on to anna okay somebody keep a binder going because we want to set up questions that we have that we maybe the questions are asked this season about the tale about the this and the that and uh we're going to do the doctor to anna episode in season four um you can do that when you get 20 more episodes announced at the same time jennifer and uh mariner seem to be on the outs at the end of this season no big reunion though they're back in the same place yeah as I said before, I think that the last 30 seconds of this episode could have been refined slightly for better 
uh, a better emotional landing for me. I think add a Jennifer reconciliation there or a non How about a Jennifer scene? If Jennifer says, you know, oh, I still can't trust you. Okay, well, that, that kind of tugs at the heart. But then I say, well, there, 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 there's some emotional conflict there. Uh, that that's exciting to to work towards in season four and so forth. So yeah, I wish th- I wish there was a five second Jennifer scene and there was not. Alas, it certainly works for animation. But was it a bridge too far that the California class features red, gold, and blue hulls? Well, we had been told very early on by Mike McMahon that. Th- the ships are um, the California class is doing command support or engineering support or medical slash science support um, or I guess ops that is 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 more in general what uh, what the Cerritos is doing. So I think a it's in line with kind of the, what do you want to say the head cannon of the showrunner, which you know has now crossed over into show cannon. Um, and also, you know, again, if nothing else, you've built that in prior to the first episode, you've built in the notion that they get different colors for different uh, ship specialities. And then when you do need to do a copy paste fleet, you don't go, they copied the Cerritos 30 times. You go, oh, wow, there's red and yellow and blue. And there's enough difference there. So it really feels like, you know, yeah, it's copies of the same ship, but each one is different. And then to finish the movie homage, the, uh, motion picture little worker bee style shuttles there at the end of the episode. Yeah. And I think uh, a a tender use of them too. you know, patching this ship that has been, has been beat up yet again. Um, Maybe, maybe a season four storyline is more time in space dock. Maybe they take a pinch from the never made. What was that going to be enterprise season five, where they were going to add, an engineering section and it would kind of look more like a constitution classic. Maybe, maybe there's a, maybe the time has come after 30 episodes to change the California class somehow. Uh, Although again, maybe that runs contrary to like, no, for all seasons of next generation, it was the enterprise. And for all seven seasons of deep space nine, they were on deep space nine. You know, you, you don't mess with your foundation. Uh, I don't know, but here's the time to do it. They're, They're in space talk yet again. With that, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. Pete, to Twitter we go where uh, people were able to give a rank to the episode. Uh, One star, Admiral Mal Amigo got 0%. Two stars, no Riker save, got 3%. Three stars, Fleet Captain, cool uniform, got 21.2%. And then four stars, Admiral, that's a good Admiral, got 75.8%. Some replies on Twitter, Jackie Wolf, at Jackie Wolf on Twitter. I'm so glad we got more of Rutherford's story and what a story it was. I enjoyed his character arc the most this season. I actually had to go back and watch the after credit scene later because I didn't realize it was there. More <laughs> badgie in season four. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. I almost said Tex after we said Texas in Texas <laughs> class 18,000 times. Uh, Noah Crostick this week. Uh, you might recall, Pete, he had 
spelled out. He'd done some acrostic poetry last time. Uh, Lower Decks has become a show with characters I really care about. From Mariner to Miglimo to the good folks of Cetacean Ops, the Cerritos has become more than just a ship that rhymes with a nacho chip. It's a home <laughs> and a family, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, James is sagacious. Big Killin on Twitter says the season ended on a high note. I love how the show keeps uh, the plot line tight. Can't wait to hear the pod. And last, Pete, but never least, Captain Funniest Frontier. That's at Dex Lower. This was the best season of Lower Decks for me. I honestly can't say if it was the best season. I can't say that it wasn't. Uh, and it'll all be stuff we can chew over on our season three uh, discussion next week, Matt. And certainly the entire season outing, uh, including next week's uh, season wrap, has been brought to you by the people who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek and our thanks as always. Everybody that contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Can't contribute this month? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating or a review in seconds. <laughs> And Pete, let's certainly keep the podcast conversation going here, the Star Trek conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter where there have been no problems in the last week? <laughs> right. Uh, and I'm hemorrhaging followers left and right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-L-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, down to only 12,722 followers uh who are not wrong but are increasingly uh going away uh and pete while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost we offer some other non-twitter options uh you can reach out to us on gmail instagram and commenting on fantasticgeek.com we are fantastic geek on all those spots but wait pete there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it today See, over on Facebook, there have never been any problems. It's just, it, it's either the one or the other. It's not both. <laughs> um, at least there's, G we'll always have Gmail. Anyhow, Pete, um, looking forward to continuing to talk uh, the Andor series next Star Wars Saturday. And, of course, wrapping up Lower Decks on our final, for now, Star Trek Sunday. And, indeed, for now, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. That's cantaloupe talk. I want you to be a cantaloupe. She never fails to take my breath away. I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?